Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Monday, 7 o'clock p.m. sharp. I hope you're well. My name is Andre. I am both host and founder of BSTL. So the weather's been incredible. I hope you're enjoying it. And because this is a four-season country, definitely in this province, I hope you're going to take and make use of the weather um, outside. Go ahead and get walking, get on your bike, go rollerblading, just do something outside uh, because as fast as summer and spring comes is as quickly as winter comes as well. So anyways, I thought we would have uh, another conversation tonight. I'm I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, This one is called Owning Your Instrument. Uh, Teach them how to own their instrument. So anyways, I want to tell you um, about an experience I had um, recently. Uh, My kids are uh, in the elementary school age group, so you know I might be an old man, but my kids are uh, fairly young. And um, so within the last few days, they uh, had their spring concert. And I like the spring concerts. I really do. Um, I like to see... Uh, children at the developmental stage of learning how to do their instruments. Um, You know, I like just watching their eyes light up. Um, And and part of the reason why I like these spring concerts, especially since I've got three kids that are in grade eight and younger, um, I I remember when all of them started uh, learning how to play their instruments. Um, the flute, uh, what is it, the horn, and one of them is in the choir right now. I, I just remember when they all started. And the thing is about, you know, starting to learn how to play an instrument is that nobody for real uh, loves it uh, when you first start um, because that learning curve for some is extremely uh, difficult. I remember for one of them, uh, she was so excited to learn how to play her instrument until she figured out that I have to learn how to read uh, the sheet music. And that was a a challenge initially, but, you know, she has overcome and she's really doing incredible right now. You know, they all are, as a matter of fact. Um, But uh, for this program, this spring concert that they had where they were learning some different pieces of music um, that were challenging to them, um, one of the things I observed for the first time this go-around is just how important uh, the director is. And the director of their school, um, and they go to a school called College Park out in the Durham area, um, you know, their their uh, director, uh, his name is Andrew Brown. He's really incredible. I, I used to uh, be his chaplain many years ago, and so I've had an opportunity to watch him as a student and now becoming a teacher. He's just incredible. Anyways, so I'm taking in the, the moment a little bit differently now. Um, you know, now that my kids are a little bit older, they're a little bit more intermediate and they're playing at a different level. One of my daughters, she had a solo with her flout or flute, um, and I'm just watching it, and it's incredible. So as I'm watching their director, their teacher, um, playing with them, uh, for the first time, I, I gotta be honest, and I've been going to this thing for years, I'm watching him a little bit differently. And part of the reason why is because I have been, um, you know, just looking at how leaders lead. I think it's important that you take and borrow from um, how different leaders um, lead. I I think without doing that, you're going to learn in a lot of a slower pace if you don't teach yourself or discipline yourself on how to watch uh, 
and observe how the greats do it. So anyways, as he's like getting them, you know, to warm up and getting them ready to play the various songs that they played this year, I'm just watching him as he's got about five or six different sections, you know, you've got the horns, you've got the trumpets, you've got the percussion, you've got the flute, you've got I don't even know all of them. That's the truth. But there's like about five or six uh, different sections. And that in and of itself is incredible because, you know, when you're dealing with young children who are very impressionable and yet a little bit rough on the edges, uh, the mere fact that by the time you get to the end of a school year, you can get a bunch of kids who are just learning how to play instruments uh, to do um, what they did. It's absolutely incredible. So the thing is, is that as I'm watching him direct them and leading them, one of the things that I really pick up on uh, during this performance is he's not just teaching them how uh, to play their instruments. He's also teaching them how to own the instrument. And there is a difference, right? Because there are some people who play instruments and then there are others that play instruments. And you can see the difference between the one that plays it because they have to and the one that has now begun to embrace what the instrument means to the overall band, the overall orchestra. And while I'm watching him from the back of the room, I'm watching him and he's learning how to engage the different personality types. I look at him looking at various students when he wants more out of them or he needs less out of them. It's almost like he has come to to figure them out and so he knows what to do to get them uh, going. But it's not only that. As I'm watching him, I'm also watching the way that he brings in the various instruments. You know, depending on where you are at the song, you know, you kind of start off a little bit slowly and then it crescendos and it gets a little bit louder and more instruments and more things are being brought in. And I'm watching him as he's turning and it's um, methodical the way that he does it. It's very intentional, the, the movement of his hands, the, the, the way that his body language changes when he wants it to be sweet sweeter and not as loud and boisterous. He does different things. But as I'm watching him, I'm also thinking about leadership, right? Because we're talking today about owning the instrument, teaching people how to own their instrument. We're also talking really about how leaders help individuals to appreciate what it is that they bring to the table as part of their contribution to the overall organization. So here are just a few things that I make as an observation. Number one, even though every um, instrument that he is directing is important, they don't play all the way through. There are some uh, instruments that may carry the melody, but as I'm watching him, even though they, he pulls them in and he pulls them out, and some instruments, I like them more than others, the reality is he has, uh, as he's playing these pieces or leading, directing these pieces, they're not allowed to play the entire, the, the entire way through. And that's not so much because of him, but that's the sheet music that he has to um, direct from. And this is important, right? Because as leaders, uh, a lot of times when we go out there on the front lines and we are required to uh, put out some things and create some initiatives and create some objectives and uh, implement some things that may or may not have been done before, the reality is that um, 
you are directing as a leader something that generally comes from somebody that is outside of the room. And the reality is the sheet music, while it gives the structure, you and I as leaders, we have to take the structure that is given uh, to us and we have to create our own art and science behind it. Right. So part of what that looks like is, is that when somebody says this is what I need to get done and that person that is now telling you what needs to get done, they're not really in the room. They may not even have the relationship that you have with the team that you are leading. You have to figure out how do I take these pieces? How do I take this composition and how do I take the team that I have and find a way to use them at different times and at different in different spaces, in different rhythms? rhythms, depending on what is required, how do I get them working together like an orchestra does? And part of the the, the science, I think, or maybe it's the art of it all, as I'm watching uh, Mr. Brown uh, directing this, uh, this orchestra, is that he understands that there are some of the instruments that can be loud and overwhelming, and he has to have um, control over them. And when I say control, I'm sure we could have had a a better word uh, to describe control, but I think you understand what I'm saying. He has to find a way to help the individuals that have uh, the stronger personality types, the instruments, right? That's what we're talking about. He has to find a way to get them to be passionate, but not necessarily dominate. Uh, the overall piece that is being played. And this is important, right? Because as leaders, right, we have uh, individuals at times who have very strong personalities, right? They they know what they want to do. They are um, passionate. They are ambitious. And they want to get stuff done. But sometimes their personality types, if left untapped, um, it may create more harm than good because the volume of them or the intensity of them, it may be so much that it causes like a negative thing to be a part of the overall team. So as I'm watching the director, he has full control over this group of individuals that are playing the trumpet and playing the French horn. He knows how to tell them to put their fist in the opening so that there's not as much vibrato, not as much volume, and he does it so well. But then he also is working with uh, some of the other instruments, like the flute, for example, and that instrument is a little bit more sweet. And it doesn't mean that because it's sweet that it's not powerful and strong. It's just that it's not an instrument that is built to dominate the way that a horn would or a tuba or even a percussion instrument. And I watched him as he was trying to get them to play a little bit more. And he wasn't so much looking for volume, but he was looking for intensity out of them. And I thought to myself, this is incredible because with these young people that he is shaping their minds and giving them an appreciation for music, I love the fact that he was able to pull more out of some and then ask some to diminish a little bit, but they weren't um, they weren't offended by it. And I liked that. Uh, and when I say they weren't offended, here's the thing, right? Because really, we're not so much talking about this orchestra. We're talking about leadership. And these are some of the nuances um, that we, we experience as leaders when we have to lead individuals. Because I think it is true that sometimes 
if we are not careful, we have this tendency of making some positions more important than others. And we give those that have those positions a louder voice. And they get to say more, and they get to dominate the meetings, and they get to keep talking and talking. And maybe really what I'm trying to say is that if you're not careful, uh, you may give more power to the louder instrument, but that may detract from the overall piece. So it's the blend, right? And and really what, what I'm um, maybe advocating for is that as leaders, we have to be able to take various voices, various departments, various individuals that have different levels of experience. Some may be brand new um, to the organization and others may have been there for 25 and 30 years and 40 years. Some people are ready for retirement and some people should have retired a long time ago. Um, but you've got all of these different individuals that all have different expertise. They all have different ways of accomplishing a goal. But our job as leaders, when we are leading people, is to find a way to get all of these voices to work in tandem them um, in chorus with one another so that there isn't one that dominates more than the other unless we need that at different times throughout the journey as we are trying to meet and make the objective. Now here's the thing, um, because I know that Mr. Brown was working hard uh, with these students throughout the years, a lot of the work um, that he has put into them, it didn't happen on the night that I was observing observing them playing. No, um, this would have been happening time and time again throughout the year during rehearsal. And this is why leaders have to know who it is that they have leading because um, it's the meetings, right? It's the month end meetings. It's the impromptu meetings. It's the conversations up and down the elevators that are helping us to understand those that will speak on behalf of us or instead of us at times, we have to understand them so that we can help them to understand their role in whatever it is that they're doing, but helping them to also understand that there may be times where I'm working a little bit more closely uh, with somebody else. It doesn't mean that you're being displaced. And I think a lot of us have seen this before, right? Uh, we, we call them like the teacher's pet, right? I mean, there are a lot of different names for it, but this is a nice wholesome po uh, podcast, so we won't coin it what we know that some people may call it. Um, but the, the challenge is, is that we have to be able to help people, and I'm talking about leaders here, we have to be able to help people to understand that when we have an objective, we've got a vision, we've got a mission, we've got some core values, we have some objectives that we have to meet. There will be times where there, it may seem as though there's a specific person that just seems to be latching on to the director and the VP and they're always together and you're watching them walking up and down the floor and you're like, how is it that they always have the air of the president or the vice president or the CFO, et cetera, et cetera. And the truth is because somebody is responsible for creating this overall masterpiece and playing this music, but this music is leadership, there are going to be times where you as a leader have to focus more on somebody and less on somebody else. But it doesn't mean that the person that does not get the attention is not important. We have to teach people how to see the overall um, picture in such a way that they understand that this week 
uh, you know, my, my, my director, my manager may have been uh, dealing with Andre a little bit more, but it doesn't mean that I'm forgotten and it doesn't mean that I am um, diminished or that I'm not valuable. It just may mean that based on where we are within this strategic plan, the leader has to spend a little bit more time with that individual because that part of the song is crucial because it's building up to something else, right? Now, here's the other thing. I think this is number two. There, There's this temple thing that I'm watching Mr. Brown doing, right? And even though whatever the timing is, and I'm not really a musical person per se, I know good music when I hear it, and he got these kids to play really good music, he, he was um, responsible really um, on the night of the performance for helping to uh, set the tempo or keep the tempo. So yes, he's helping these young people to pull in and out and helping them with the crescendo and whatever it is when you come back down on the other side. But really, the overall function for him at the performance is the tempo. And let me just say this, right? Because tempo is everything. Rhythm is everything. When I think about how the body functions, the heart, it's the thing that is setting the tone and the rhythm for how the body functions. And how the heart functions has everything to do with um, how the other vital organs are being played. And so as I'm watching him, he is mindful while he's pulling in and out from all of these various people and getting them to play louder and softer, but he never loses the tempo and let me just say this because as leaders sometimes we we get distracted right so you've got this major project that you've got to do and because there are some nuances some challenges that you've had along the way you abandon looking at the overall picture because now you're you're zeroing in on this one particular thing well here's where um, mentorship um, comes into play because if your job is to make sure that the overall thing is happening, especially if you are a strategic planner or at a higher level of management and you are responsible for making sure that this thing happens from start until finish, if you are at every small detail of everything that is happening along the way, then you've missed your way along the way, right? So part of what this is, is that while Mr. Brown is responsible for the tempo, he cannot be responsible for going now and picking up the instrument and playing the instrument and turning the pages for these young minds. No, his job is to keep the tempo direct and trust that everything that he has taught them throughout this journey, they're either going to remember it or not, but there's a supporting cast around them that will keep them on track. But he's got to keep the tempo. He's got to keep the order. And that's why I've always said, um, and those that know me know this um, about me, I've always said one of the things that you've got to do when you are leading, especially when you are doing a project and you've got to do something that's extremely important, Almost immediately, you've got to find somebody that you can um, mentor or, or shadow with you or dump on. And when I say dump on, I don't mean it in a negative kind of way. But you've got to be able to have some people around you that you trust that will be able to take care of some of the things that you need to get done. But because of your responsibility, you can't necessarily be the person that does it. 
And I think this is one of the things that I, I don't necessarily love about how a lot of organizations function, because often the training and the mentoring and the development of more leaders, it happens when we see that there's a vacuum about to happen, right? So there's an announcement that comes, right? And in that corner office, so-and-so is now leaving to go to another company or they're ready for retirement. And as soon as we hear that and we, we hear the rumor mill going, then all of a sudden there's a different layer of, of leadership that begins to activate because now all of a sudden we've got to find a way to get somebody who's going to replace him or her in that corner office. And maybe what I'm saying is, is that if you're a real composer and a director and a maestro, uh, a leader, then you should be planning uh, how you are going to find people to fill the spot long before the spot becomes available. And here's the thing, right? Because I'm, and I know that maybe this might sound a little bit unreasonable, but I think in the best case scenario within your organization, you should have no less than three to five individuals that can do somebody's job in the absence of that person. Like I, 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 I've always said this, that if one person is not there, um, you should never feel as though there's a loss. And I understand the temperament of the person's not there. And if they're a really good leader, they, they're able to balance getting the work done and managing people and emotions and feelings. And so you can't replace a person that kind of way. But what's required for the skill set? Absolutely. Uh, it's not a bad thing when somebody knows that there's always somebody over their shoulder that has the ability or the capacity to do their job because all that means is, is that you've got a stronger a workforce that has the capacity to replace anyone at any given time. And I know that that makes some people get nervous, right? Because you'll say, well, if so-and-so knows how to do my job, then that means that I become obsolete. And you know what? I don't know that that's a bad thing. Because I have seen in some organizations where you have some individuals that have been sitting in a seat for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and they're there because they've worked there for a long time, but they have long um, ceased to be uh, effective because they've been sitting somewhere for way too long and they've lost their objectivity and they're no longer passionate because they've done all that they can um, do based on their own temperament and their own personality type. They are, they've been finished for a long time. And the thing is, we don't have anybody to replace them with. And so we just kind of find a way to uh, put another carrot in front of the horse and hope that that person doesn't one day call and say enough is enough because what will we do without them? And I think uh, to some degree, organizations that do this, they really shoot themselves in the foot because at the end of the day, are you really willing to take the chance that you only have one person that knows how to do that one particular thing, and if they quit or retire or, heaven forbid, they get sick, you can't do anything, and you'll have to bring this entire uh, piece of music or this project to a grinding halt because you have nobody else to do that with or for you? I think that that's absolutely ridiculous. And I think that companies that do it well, um, and I'm talking about the leading and mentorship piece, they are 
individuals that are creating an environment where people are confident and competent and they also understand that if they get to a place where they are no longer effective in what they are doing, if they are worth their weight in gold or salt or rocks or any other thing that can be measured by weight, then, then to honor those individuals who have led in a stellar kind of way, those organizations, here's what they should be doing. They should be seeing that this uh, leader is 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 flatlining or or getting to a place where there's no more that we can get out from them and that's not the time to get rid of them that's the time to look around the organization and say even if they can no longer function here where can i place them so that i send the message to the organization, to other employees that are watching how you are going to deal with your presidents and secretaries and C CFOs and CEOs and all of the different O's, you have to send the message that we want to create an environment where our best leaders, when they are no longer effective at what they are doing, we have already thought about where we can place them. And it's not a step down, right? It's not a step sideways. All it is is that if we believe in the organization and what it's doing, we have to create an environment where as people come and go, we are working for what's best for the organization. And I know that there'll be some that are uncomfortable with what I'm saying, right? Because we, we don't understand the point. We're not building organizations around a name or a person. Because remember, nothing lasts forever. So even if you have a, a manager that you love and there's no one that has ever led like him or her, they are no they are, are at some point not going to be there. They're gonna quit, they're gonna go to another job, they're gonna retire, or they're gonna die. And when they die, what happens to the organization? Does it cease to be cutting edge at what it does? Because we've put so many eggs in the basket of one that we forget that there are other eggs. There are other individuals who are smart and intelligent and they know what they're doing and they are just as passionate. And here's what I've discovered. Even if somebody replaces somebody and they are not as quote unquote as good as the previous leader, a lot of times if we have been mentoring long enough, that individual is also going to bring something different to the table that will move uh, the organization further and forward even if they don't do it the other person's way. And that's where you begin to see the beauty around leadership because great leadership is not moments in time, it's not positional, it's on this continuum so that you should never actually miss somebody so long that the organization begins to dip because it takes too long to get another person up to speed. The other thing that I also noticed, and maybe this is the last thing for this thing, because remember, we're trying to help people to own their instrument. We're talking about mentorship today. I love the fact that at no point did Mr. Uh, Brown turn around to see what was happening uh, within the audience. And I like that a lot because some people, and it, you know, I'm not mad at them for doing it right because everybody leads in their own way. But sometimes when you're directing, you look around to see, you know, is the audience enjoying this? 
And at this stage of musicianship, the truth is, maybe it's not so much about whether or not the audience is enjoying the performance, and maybe the attention is, I've got 30 young minds who are impressionable, and they're learning about confidence, I've got to keep my eye on them, and less on the crowd. Because I've also seen this, that sometimes, um, because we are so crowd-dependent, um, we, 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 we make our decisions based on who has the biggest voice and who's got the deepest pockets. And when we look around and they don't look like they're happy, we now begin to take out the big stick and beat the various leaders that are in our organization because we're trying to please one person. We want to make them happy. But here's the thing. If you make that one person happy by forcing those that um, you are leading uh, to hurry up and, and do better and have more output at a rate to which they are not ready to do, here's the thing. That person, that one person who's in the audience that's smiling, that's now saying, yep, that's what I want, you now have created an entire environment of people who are demoralized, they're sad, they're frustrated, they're, 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 they're beginning to feel debilitated, and the list goes on. Because depending on where you are within your organization, you cannot make them secondary because you've got to make somebody else smile. You've got to make sure that you are uh, giving them the tools to do what needs to happen, whether or not people are smiling or not. Because I think long term, the smile can't be just that one piece of music or that one objective that you're trying to do or that one project that you're trying to finalize. No, the smile has to come when you're getting things done, but you're getting things done and empowering people at the same time. So this same uh, brown guy, um, a young a uh, composer, a, a young director, he's now at a place, especially with the, the, the age group that's a little bit older, uh, the high schoolers who he's had uh, a few more years to, to mold them and shape them. Here's what he's now able to do with them because he's had them and, and structured them and given them the mentorship long enough. He's now at a point where he can literally now sit down and allow them to almost play without him because they understand what the expectation is that he has of them. And maybe what I'm saying is that when you teach your leaders how to be passionate based on what it is that they are doing and what they know how to do and what is required for the organization, after a while as a leader, you can go and find something else to do because they know the tempo. They understand the swells and, and the swallows of the music. They understand what is required of them. And they don't need you over their shoulder because what you expect of them, they now expect of themselves because we're working together. They're not working for you even though you're leading them. They're working with you because here's the thing. If you come out with that big stick, after a while, there will be no music and you will lose some of your best and brightest leaders because they don't want to be in a place where the tempo is so fast and, 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 and the feedback is so rigid that they never feel as though they've accomplished anything. So this Mr. Brown guy, you guys should get to know him. Even though he's young, he's on to something. He's got his back to those that just want results because his focus, is, his focus is developing young leaders for tomorrow by mentoring them today. 
If you want me to come out and have this conversation with your organization, I'm more than happy to do so. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today because here's what I'm telling you. This world, the, 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 the leadership styles that we've been using, uh, that we used 30 and 40 years ago, they are becoming antiquated. This new generation of leaders that are coming up that love to do different things and they've figured out how to get things done in a different kind of way, if we don't learn how to lead them based on what the culture is now developing and giving to us in the marketplace then you may find that your organization that used to be thriving and swelling and world-renowned, you're going to start losing some of your steam. Because when one person leaves, another person leaves. And when another person leaves, another person leaves. And before you know it, you've got the same leader, the same director, but you don't have the supporting pieces. And really, it's the supporting pieces in tandem with the director that make this thing go. I hope you've enjoyed this. I'll see you all next week. Take care from now. But remember, we want to help them to own their instruments so that they can play with or without you. Take care. My name is Andre Anderson, host and founder of BSTL. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and or share if you haven't done so already. Take care.